Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. I am John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner and our producer is Chris Cervello. And guess what? This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast and the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. And what are we breaking down? We're breaking down a huge win against Tulsa for Navy football. We're also going to talk a little bit about happenings in men's and women's soccer, in volleyball, and in track and field. But first things first, I'm not going to quote any of the text thread that took place between Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner on Friday uh, in the interim, but I do know that at the, in the end, it was a big victory. And I'll tell you what, it was a victory because we had all of the things that we talk about that we need for a victory. It was stalwart defense. It was 37 minutes of possession almost a two to one difference in possession. It was 300 yards of rushing, no passing yards, no completed passes, but that's Navy football. It was possessing the ball. It was stopping them on defense. It was Ty Lavatai. And I predicted this. I'm going to go ahead and separate my shoulder by patting myself on the back um, by saying that I believe that this game was going to be a slow it down, low scoring, grinded out affair where Ty Lavatai was going to command the quarterback position and make it impossible for anyone to say that you need a new quarterback. And I think he really did that. Um, he rushed for uh, 18 rushes, I believe, for 64 yards. Carlinos AC had a good day on the ground. So in the end, the result was a gritty three-point win in Tulsa. And Wags, I'm, I'm going to go to you because I'm talking about all the good things. I'm talking about the time of possession. I'm talking about the fact we didn't have turnovers. I'm talking about the fact we only had five penalties for, I think, 30 yards. But shit, man, like, what is with the special teams? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you break this down, but everything else I thought was, was gorgeous. All right, well, let's first start, John, with the offense in the first half. And you're referring to the text between Chris Cervello and I. And, yes, it was a lot of negativity because, frankly, the offense was terrible. They were could not get a first down. Period, end of story. Could not get a first down. Um, five possessions, four punts, and a turnover on downs, over five on third and fourth down conversions. And this game could have been over at halftime if not for incredible defense. What Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, and his troops did was simply spectacular. Um, that is a very high-scoring, potent Tulsa offense. I think they ranked like 16th nationally in total yards going into the game, putting up 440-some yards per game. Navy held Tulsa to a season low in first downs, a season low in passing yards, and under 300 yards of total offense, which is frankly – Amazing. It's amazing. I think Tulsa was 167 yards below 
their season average. So it's a 3-3 game at halftime for two reasons. Michael McMorris, what he did, my God, it defines Navy football. What an incredible effort. Brian Newberry talks about elite effort. Well, that was elite effort. He sprinted with everything he has, 40 yards to run down Anthony Watkins from behind and what could have been an 86-yard touchdown was instead a 78-yard run. And Navy's defense rose up and forced a field goal. So instead of being down 7-0 on a long touchdown run, be thanks to Michael McMorris's incredible effort, that turns into a field goal. And then I had to laugh because there's time winding down in the first half. Navy has the ball, I think, 50 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it was. And the announcers on television were like, why are they calling a timeout? Just, you know, run the clock and get out of here and, and be happy you're only down 3 nothing at halftime. Well, Carlino Sacy broke a 64-yard run, and that set up a B. John Nichols field goal. And, wow, tie game at halftime, 3-3. And we've been talking about the lack of big plays for Navy. Well, there it was, finally. And this is what this team needs more of, John, big plays. That was such a breath of fresh air because that, that's the kind of long run that puts you right into scoring position. So that was wonderful to see. And then, yes, the offense came to life in the second half, and we learned after the game that Ivan Jasper was responsible. The deposed offensive coordinator is the one that suggested he saw something with what Tulsa was doing defensively, and he suggested that an unbalanced line, what Navy calls the heavy formation, could be successful, and lo and behold, John, it was. Navy got the slot backs going. The perimeter game opened up. Carlinos AC and Chance Warren, I think they combined for something like 150 yards, um, and that, that slot back pitch was working. Ty Lavatai, as you mentioned, he got into the act, had some nice tough runs. They had the fullback going a little bit, and so the offense rose up and had two long drives, a 75-yard touchdown drive, an 80-yard touchdown drive. And then with the, the game, uh, Navy was up 17 to 10 at the time. And I got to give Coach Nehemiah credit because Navy was in Tulsa territory. And the announcers, once again, announcers were calling for Nehemiah to go for it. Maybe he should go for it here and really bury him. Nehemiah was smart, took the points, kicked the field goal. It was a 46-yarder, great kick by Bijan. And that give, puts you up by two scores. And lo and behold, John, Navy needed to be up by two scores because Tulsa had a long pass play, led to a touchdown, and final score 20 to 17. But how badly did Navy need this win? You know, been playing close. You know, great effort against Cincinnati, but you lose. Great effort against Houston, but you lose. You know, enough of the moral victories. They needed a true victory. They got it, John. And it was wonderful to see. So, Chris, we talked about about it, you know, like, hey, all joking aside about the text thread between you and Wags where, yeah, it was like watching a good old fashioned boring pillow fight in the first half. It came out as a victory. But, you know, what what for you was the big surprise in terms of of how we ended up on the right side of a victory? Was it because we were able to hold Davis Brand and they basically did not have a good offensive showing, or is this just a team that outgridded them that night? 
Yeah, John, honestly, the surprise for me was how poorly the offense played in the first half. I, I, I mean, to you, you know, I was not surprised at how well the defense played. Um, they had they had shown that the week before against Cincinnati. They had shown halves of that um, in in other games that that you know almost put us over the uh, the edge against some very good teams. I just couldn't believe, and that's what Wags and I and and you know Ward and you were going back and forth on. I could not believe that with, you know, if there was a must game win, this was it. I could not believe how poorly they looked in the first half, um, and then you you know the the adjustment that Wags just mentioned. Um, I mean, it was like a different team. Um, and this was the team that we said in the pregame that we were looking for. We were looking for um, where both the offense and the defense were playing at a high level. We're playing at their potential. And we saw that. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I know this is the, you know, Sheehy Lexus uh, uh, of Annapolis recap show, but man, if they play like that next week, they can beat Notre Dame. If they play like that, they can beat anyone. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that if that if they were able to put um, the, that offensive effort paired with that defensive effort, we'd be looking at a team that would be at the top of the AAC. Now, there are lots of reasons why they don't come together. But for me, I really hope that this is the beginning of um, both the offense and the defense playing at their potential. So, I mean, I don't think it's too early to start talking about the whole Notre Dame situation and that they're just coming off of an absolute like defensive nightmare. You know, I, I don't know whose defense was worth nor, worse, North Carolina's or Notre Dame's. And now Notre Dame gets us at home in a 3.30 affair in South Bend before they have to get on the bus and go to Charlottesville and play a really tough Virginia team. So here they are fitting in the Navy rivalry game in between two really key ACC games. And this is a team that still believes that they have an outside shot to go to the college football playoff. And we're going to see where everyone falls when the first college football playoff rankings come out this week. But I mean, is this kind of a perfect scenario where we are catching them when they are looking ahead? They're coming off of a tough game where they gave up 34 points. Good thing for them. They scored 44, but they have quarterback unrest. I mean, Cone plays. Okay. They brought in Buckner for a couple of plays. Chris, what do you think? I mean, do you think that this is kind of the perfect time to play Notre Dame because we're in between they're looking forward to, to Virginia. Yeah, well, I think it's a bad time to play Navy if uh, if you're anybody right now, right? I mean, you, you know, we've heard uh, former members or former players uh, that are members of the Brotherhood say, hey, you don't want to play Navy in October and November when the option is working. And I'm not ready to say that the option is working, but man, it looked really good in the second half against Tulsa. Um, and if we can keep the defense where they are, and if we can make some adjustments on special teams, hell, at this point, I would just kick the ball out of bounds on every kickoff rather than risk uh, them running it back, right? Um, and, and I say that only half joking, given the the amount of points that we've given up. But um, it, it's less, you know, this is the perfect time to play Notre Dame, and I think it's a bad time to play Navy. And I say that to Notre Dame. I say that to um, you know, the other schools that we have uh, on our schedule. And yes, Army, we're talking to you. Well, I, I love that. So um, I was going to say, I just jump in real quick. Uh, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, Navy can beat Notre Dame. Absolutely. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame on its home field. And we already know that Navy played Cincinnati to a virtual draw 
had a chance to win at the end. So yeah, Navy can win this game. And I, it's great that Navy got a win to really, to because they, they had confidence from playing so many good teams close, but you needed a win to really validate what you were doing. And so I think that Navy goes into this game with total confidence. They got nothing to lose. What's Navy got to lose in this game? Notre Dame has everything to lose. Uh, uh, getting beaten by Navy, a uh, two and six team, would, that would be it. They'd be done. No hopes for college football playoff. No way. So the pressure is all on Notre Dame and not Navy. And just real quick, because, John, you asked me about it and I forgot to address, but Chris is right. The special teams, my God, I'm sorry. Something has to be done to address the special teams. Every single game, it's a major backbreaker. It's either a blocked kick or a punt return for a touchdown or a kickoff return. I mean, Navy has, you know, hit the lottery on everything you could do wrong on special teams. And you saw what they did after that, Chris. They started kicking the little pooch kick on the kickoff. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, and even that makes me nervous. I mean, the good news is, is I don't know that it can get much worse. Um, and so, you know, try something different and, you know, heck, if you can keep them from, from scoring and if you can keep them from, uh, you know, from blocking uh, punts or, or field goal attempts, um, you, you know, you, you might be able to, uh, to take that momentum and, and put it towards your offense and your defense. Yeah, we've been joking about it before, but I, I spent a lot of good time with Pablo Beltran in the last couple of weeks. Pablo you know, made a very good observation, in my opinion, that is that, hey, you have no idea how valuable special teams is until it lets you down. And, and that's the kicking game and that's the coverage game. And we have to fix this or else it will bite us. And, and there are athletes on Notre Dame and we'll wait until the midweek pod to get more into Notre Dame, but we have to fix this. So Wags, before we take this particular, you know, dissection of Tulsa out, you know, I know that Banbury got hurt a little bit, you know, in your estimation or what you've heard from, you know, post game and, and in the, in the, the couple of days since, uh, since the victory on Friday night, did we come out of it pretty unscathed injury wise? Like how are we going to look when we go to South Bend next weekend? Well, first of all, John, before I answer that question, you mentioned special teams are going to cost us. They already have cost us. I mean, na- games have been lost. The Houston game. Oh, yeah. Oh, for 20, sure. 20, oh. And it's a punt return for touchdown. Uh, other games in which field goals are – I mean, special teams has cost Navy in every single one of its losses practically. So the special teams has to get addressed. It, it, it's, it's really seriously becoming a problem. But um, I do not know the status of Pierce Banbury, but he – did, he came off very gingerly, uh, did not return to the game, uh, need him back. He's the uh, offensive line leader. He's the senior veteran of that unit. Uh, Navy's playing a lot of young kids. They started Lionel Mertese at guard for the first time this season. Um, guys like Lionel Mertese and Daryl Massanier, been hearing a lot about them all for a while now, and they, I, their time has come. Big boys who are athletic and you know, I think your Lionel Mertesi's here to stay as far as starting at guard. Um, but I need to get Kip Franklin back. I hope that his injury is not anything serious because he is really the leader of that unit. But other than that, John, I do think Navy came out relatively unscathed. I can't remember any other players leaving with an injury that was you know serious and did not return to the game. Hoping we can get Kevin Brennan back for Notre Dame. 
and missed his uh, third straight game with a shoulder injury. Uh, Will Harbor, inside linebacker, missed his second straight game. Now, they're not missing him because, my God, Johnny Hodges played his butt off on Friday night. Seven tackles, had the sack that caused a fumble, was a huge play in the game. So, Johnny well, how about Hodges, the linebacker core there, Wags? Like, talk a little yeah. bit about it. So, Hodges, um, uh, Fago had eight tackles. Yep, Johnny Marshall led the team with nine tackles. Yeah, Marshall had nine. Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of good talent there. And then the freshman, Tyler Fletcher, I've liked a lot of what I've seen out of him. Now, we know when they do the 3 3 5, defensive lineman that takes Nicholas Stahl off the field. But when you go with your base defensive 3-4, Nicholas Stahl's out there. He's a really good player. Yeah, Navy's got some good linebackers, John. You Very good point. Um, and they, they've been huge. And well, I'll tell you who else is playing great is the secondary. Even depleted as they are, they're holding up real well. And Jamal Glenn has really emerged as a senior leader and an outstanding player for this team. He's having a great season. We already talked about Michael McMorris, who's you know, probably maybe one of the best players on the team next to Diego Fago. Michael McMorris has been a veteran starter. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be the, of promising uh, things that you're seeing out of Navy. I really hope Navy can finish strong. I mean, I, I, it is going to be tough to win out and finish six and six and go to a bowl. That, that's going to be tough. But if you finish five and six or five and seven, four and eight, I just would like to see Navy win more than they lose during this stretch run, John. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, they do have to win out to go six and six. And I'll tell you what, with each passing week, their resume looks better in terms of who they've beaten and who they've lost to. So I personally enjoyed, you want to talk about special teams, abject failures, the, the, the Houston game, it, like, I don't know why you kick to that guy anymore. The corner from, from Houston who ran back another, <laughs> another kickoff for a touchdown. Um, I, I, I'm telling you what, the American Athletic Conference between Houston, Cincy, uh, even Temple is really good. I, I just would not want, if I'm one of the power teams, I would not want an American Athletic Conference team on my schedule, particularly a Houston or a Cincinnati. Um, hey, Wags, Chris, I appreciate the, the conversation. I thought, I really thought that this was the game where we saw exactly what Navy football was. So, uh, Wags, I'll, I'll give it over to you for any final thoughts before we go to break, and then, or actually Wags and then Chris. Well, my final thought, John, and I failed to comment on what you said earlier about Ty Lavatai. I do think that Ty, Ty Lavatai grew up tremendously in that game. The, he looked in command in the second half, and it was great to see. I do think Ty took a big step forward in that Tulsa game. Chris? Yeah, it's almost like someone predicted it. But go ahead, Chris. Well, I put your uh, put your shoulder on ice here for for a second. Um, he, I would love to see him uh, hold the ball a little bit longer uh, before he pitches. Um, and and I don't, you, you know, I mean, I know you're tongue in cheek about it being boring, but um, I, I think that Tulsa. Um, I, I think they guarded against those little dumps. Uh, and in fact, I mean, that's why he threw the ball over the top 
uh, the two times that he did. Uh, and with a little bit more air underneath, I mean, it, we're talking, it, it could have been a different game uh, than, than it was. So um, I, I think they've got that in the playbook, uh, you know, against Notre Dame, uh, against uh, East Carolina, against uh, Army. And so I think we're going to see more of that as the triple option takes hold. But I agree. I mean, he got, he got better. I think he, he has a, a big week of practice this week and I think it's different getting hit by Tulsa than maybe it's going to be getting hit by Notre Dame. Um, so, you, you know, you almost got to get punched in the mouth uh, one or two times against Notre Dame and we'll see what he's made of. But uh, I like the, I like the progress that he's making. But I, again, I really do believe that taking command of that position is exactly what he did. Um, you know, I implored him to do so. And I really thought that, he looked like he owned that job. Now he still needs to work on the timing of the pitches. We still need to get better slot backs, better options. And I still think he needs to pass the ball more, but Hey, a W is a W. And I'll tell you what, if you would have told me that four wins gets us to a bowl and those four wins are Notre Dame, ECU, Temple and army, I'd take it. You know, I really do believe that we can win all four of those games. You know, I'll use this before we go to break to pub our next pod. So joining us on the next pod will be uh, class of 2004, former team captain Ben Matthews, also the host of the NBC pregame show um, for um, the Notre Dame game, Catherine Tappan, proud Rutgers alum. Can't wait to bring her on. And we're also going to have some audio from the Brian Kelly press conference um, uh, for Notre Dame. So we're going to go to break. Great win against Tulsa. Let's turn this into some positive momentum and beat Notre Dame. When we come back from this break, we're going to break down soccer, uh, track and field, volleyball, and everything else. This is Sing Second Sports. Thanks again for joining our Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis post-game podcast. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football. And then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast, and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. We are back. Um, Awesome conversation about the big win. Let's break down a little bit. A little bit more Navy sports over the weekend. You know we are soccer fanatics. Um, So I was down there at the Navy game today versus Bucknell. It was rained out on on Saturday. In case you didn't know, we had like ridiculous rain and ridiculous tidal surges. You know, shout out to all the businesses in downtown Annapolis, a lot of whom, uh, a lot of those uh, businesses support us, but it, a lot of a lot of businesses got flooded out this weekend, and it was rough. And you know, because of the high water levels and the effect on the pitch, 
the regular Saturday uh, game against Bucknell for men's soccer was rescheduled for today. It was an absolutely gorgeous, idyllic autumn day in Annapolis, like just stupid nice. Um, and the men won. Um, Ayama had the goal assisted by Jacob Williams. And now this puts Navy in a position to beat, if they beat American, who's above them in the table, um, they could possibly finish second and get a bye. Um, so I know that's what they want. I know they're happy with the win. Gritty effort today on a Sunday. Really, really windy. I mean, sustained like 20-knot gusts. So, you know, good luck to the men as we get midweek and then they get into the Patriot League tournament. Speaking of Patriot League tournaments, in the women's bracket, we already knew that we had a bye. We're the two seed. BU is the one seed. Army and Bucknell both won today. Um, so now Army plays BU up in Boston, and we host Bucknell on Thursday um, in the semis. So if we beat Bucknell, we've got to get on onto a very long, horrible bus trip up to BU to play them unless Army beats them, which we certainly hope they can. Um, so that's where we're at in soccer. Wags, bring us through what's going on with uh, cross country. Well, first of all, John, you mentioned about men's soccer. If they could get number two, which would mean home game, at least one, right? At least one. Well, the reason I mentioned that, John, is because Navy's eight and one at home this season. So a uh, dramatic difference when they play at home. Uh, cross country, outstanding Men's and women's cross-country, Navy sweeps the Patriot League championships. On the men's side, it was uh, Miguel Mathias, senior, and Brett Brady, a junior, finishing second and third. The Navy men's cross-country is now nine-time Patriot League champs. Shout-out to Coach Aaron Lanzell and his troops. And then on the women's side, it was the pack mentality. I like when they write that with cross-country, the pack mentality. Um, Navy wins the championship, and it was really – uh, they didn't have anyone in the top five, but Elizabeth Sullivan, a junior, and Ellie Abraham, a sophomore, were, were finished three-tenths of a second apart in seventh and eighth. Uh, Navy wins its fifth title in program history and first since 2012 on the women's side. So congratulations. Also, shout out to Volleyball, who took it to the Bison of Bucknell. They beat them in straights 3-0. Uh, Scott Strassmeyer just put out the latest standings. We'll see what happens with Volleyball in the weeks ahead. Um, but I'm telling you what, man, I, I love where the fall sports are at right now. Um, you know, it, particularly on the soccer side, I really believe that both of these teams can win the Patriot League title uh, in the tournament, get to the get to the NCAAs and, and see what happens from there. And then, yeah, shoot, let's let's see what football does. Let's go into let's go into South Bend and shock them. Um, hey, before Cervello you is. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Before you uh, take it out, how about uh, the sprint football team going to six and O with a 46 to three win against Mansfield? Uh, They're dominant. They're yeah, dominant. God, that is, if you're not a, if you have not um, watched sprint football in a while, um, figure a way to watch them this year. And if it's too late this year, get out there next year, man, that is just, it is so fast. Um, and those guys have so much heart. So uh, six and zero. Congrats to them on their senior day playing in the big stadium uh, th this week and and shutting Mansfield down. I guys, almost went to Mansfield, uh, but I got into Villanova, so I I went to Villanova instead. Well, that's good because then we'd have to hear about Mansfield all the time. <laughs> and we don't want to do that. Hey, uh, guys, did you 
see the article about sprint football. Cornell came up with the bogus reason not to come play Navy because Cornell lost to Navy 70 to nothing the last time they played. So Cornell was like, oh, uh, our, our game got postponed and we had to play Sunday. We, it'll be unsafe for us to come. Well, yeah, it's unsafe because Navy's way better than you. So Cornell just bagged it and it was a forfeit. Navy gets the win, one nothing. As they should. And by the way, real time, uh, uh, real time podcasting here. Adam Duvall for the Braves just went yard with a grand slam to put the Braves up four nil. Um, I'm so in soccer mode for nothing um, against the cheating Houston Astros. So we'll, we'll see if we have a new World Series champion by the time this pod comes out. But all right. And also uh, updating our last pod, Kayla Barron, who we talked to. Um, right before her scheduled launch of 2 a.m.-ish on, uh, on Sunday. That launch was postponed. Now it looks like it's going to be during the week here this week, so we'll see what happens there. Good luck to Kayla. Again, shout-out um, to Navy football, shout-out to soccer, um, and let's see, what, let's see what happens here leading up to Notre Dame. We're, we're putting the feelers out for a lot of good guests. We're so excited to be joined by Catherine Tappan of NBC Sports. Um, and I, I love this time of year. Um, I really do. So, you know, here on Halloween for Chris and Wags and Ward, who is giving out candy to all the miscreant kids of, of West Street out there in Annapolis, I am John Schofield. This has been the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. Thank you to our sponsor, Sheehy Lexus. Please visit them right off of Baydale. And if Navy beats Notre Dame, John will buy a Lexus from Sheehy Lexus of uh, of Annapolis, right? You heard it here first. I I, I literally will. I mean, if they have something that's in like the Buick Enclave family of SUVs, sure. I mean, I'm I'm down. I'm 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 a shill to our sponsors, of course. So let's win the Patriot League in soccer. Let's go ahead and beat Notre Dame. We'll see you midweek with Catherine Tappan, Ben Matthews, Brian Kelly. We're out. Sing Second Sports. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.